Welcome to C-Suite Radio. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? It's an exclusive edition of the Open Mic Podcast. Matt Iceman from America Ninja Warrior Live Rescue is on the podcast today. Again, this is an exclusive. We are talking season 13 of America Ninja Warrior all of that and more on this special episode. That's right. We're going to talk about his life and his career, how he got started, how he went from a pulmonologist to a comedian to a nationally recognized television host. We cover all of that. His keys to success and more. Matt Iceman, you're going to love this one. It's the best. Enjoy today's episode. Welcome to another episode of the Open Mic Podcast. Prepare to be astonished with Brett Allen. Dude, we are so gonna party. A pop culture podcast. <gasps> oh! At the Open Mic, no topic is off limits. Great Odin's Raven. Join in weekly as Brett interviews your favorite celebrities from film, television, sports, music, and much more. Plus, you never know who will stop by. The mystic portal awaits. Now here is your host, Brett Allen. Matt, welcome to the podcast. It's good to have you here today. Good to be here. We're talking to the legendary Matt Iceman. It's great to have you. This is a big honor at your honor show. So we'll just start. The big question we all have is what can we expect from season 13 of Ninja Warrior? Anything that you can share, we're all dying to know. Well, we're excited to be back. I think one of the cool things is Last season was a season unlike any other in that we were in a dome in St. Louis and we obviously had to change things around. We couldn't go to Vegas. We couldn't build all four stages. So we had to end up going head to head on a power tower showdown. This year we're getting back to some normalcy. Um, I don't know what's been announced, so I'm just going to announce it here, Brad. We'll just give it to you because uh, I know yesterday we, we just, we did just officially announce season 13 is coming back. The way it's going to work is we're going to Tacoma once again. We'll be at the the Tacoma Dome um, to shoot all of our qualifiers. So we'll be up there. We'll have a six-obstacle course in the Dome in Tacoma. Um, I don't know if they've announced this, so I hope I'm not spoiling anything. NBC, don't fire me if this is too early to tell. I don't think NBC is going to be listening to us. You never know, Brett, because here's here's one of the cool things that we've done is (laughs) We've decided to create a a type of choose-your-own-adventure on an obstacle where certain obstacles, ninjas will have a choice to choose a way that may be a little safer but will take you longer or a higher risk but faster way to get through. So for people who are competing, if it's just a cutoff or if they're competing uh, for better uh, uh, to go for the top spot, you could take a more aggressive pace. But it's going to be interesting in that usually ninjas haven't had much of a choice. It's here are the obstacles you're facing. Hope they suit to your line up with your skill set. 
But some ninjas may be able to say, listen, I'm gassed out here. I'm not going to be able to do something grip intensive or balance obstacles are something I'm looking at the uh, the Towers of Power, Polizzi, <laughs> uh, and Brandon Mears says sometimes they get tripped up on balance obstacles. Every ninja has at some point or another. But it's going to be interesting that ninjas will have their fate a little bit more in their own hands. Um, we're, we are, God, I, well, I guess this was something we were supposed to do last season for season 12. So I think it may be out in the ether, but I will tell you this, you know, we, the age used to be 21. Then we lowered it, uh, to 19, uh, thanks to Matisse Awadi and the kid who showed us how good these young athletes are this year, we're lowering it down to 16. So we're going to have 16 year olds competing on the adult course. And this is a direct result of what we saw on Ninja Junior, um, on wow. how good those kids ages nine to 14 were. Um, and just what we've seen since then is some of those athletes have been competing in, uh, whether it's NNL or Ultimate Ninja, whether they've been competing in some of these uh, uh, leagues that our, our athletes have created, some of these young kids had been holding their own. And so again, it was kind of, well, we've been seeing what you were doing. And, and the big test was, I think, on Ninja Junior, that they could handle the stage. They could handle competing in front of thousands of people, knowing that millions are watching. And they've just been so amazing. So I think we're excited to see really the future ninjas. These are kids, some of whom have grown up doing Ninja Warriors since they could walk. And so now they'll be getting on the course. So I think that's going to be exciting. Um, but mostly we're just thrilled to be getting to do it again. Season 13 is unbelievable. Um, the fact that you know, like so many, we we made it work during the pandemic, but we're getting back to a sense of normalcy. So we'll start in Tacoma. Then we're going to go to, to Los Angeles. We'll be at Universal for city finals. Um, and then we're going to go to Vegas. Now, what's, what is going to be the same is it looks like we won't be able to have any crowd there. So at Tacoma, it'll be somewhat similar to, I think, St. Louis in that, you know, we we have this massive indoor space. I You know, Universal Studios will be interesting because We'll be shooting at a place where we've shot before for many years um, with no crowd, but we'll probably be on on the set. So I'm sure we'll make it look interesting. And Vegas, I have no idea what it's what it's going to be like, how they'll how they'll set it up. But the the thing I that we found last year, Brett, was you know we didn't know what it'd be like shooting in a dome of eighty thousand seats with zero people in there. Sure. But everyone was so excited to be you know because we shot in July, so that was about four months into the lockdown. This, it was really the first time I'd left the house for any meaningful period of time. And I think everybody from, from Akbar and me to our camera crew, to the, to the PAs, to certainly to the ninjas, everyone was so excited to be out of the house that the energy was insane. And I think we'll have some of that still that despite what we've seen with some areas opening up and despite the promise of some of these vaccines, I think we're all still feeling so pent up. We're still feeling uh, so much uncertainty that I think anytime we get something that reminds us of the before time, something like Ninja Warrior and something where for a minute you just you go about doing competing and you forget where, you know, everything that we're dealing with. I think that's that's going to be something I, I know personally, I am very much looking forward to being back around the production. It's been insane because, you know, March 11th was when the dominoes started to fall. And we were supposed to start March 12th. We were, we were, we had the set up. We had our set up. We had all the ninjas in town in LA. And so, you know, to, to come back and now be closing in on going, God, tomorrow was it. Tomorrow was the day we were canceled last year. Um, so it'll be amazing to hopefully be able to move forward and kind of feel like 
Whew, we are we have been through a lot in this past year. Yeah, I think so. And the fact that you have figured out a way to make it work, you know, yeah. I think is very cool. I know some shows have been doing like the virtual audiences and, you know, the Zoom audiences. Yeah. Penn and Teller, they did, you know, their season, they did like a virtual show and several others that uh, have just kind of figured out a way to make it work. But I think what makes your show so exciting is the fact that you do have so many people watching and it's just like an intense ride the entire time. And then yeah. the, the humor between you and Akbar, of course, yeah. you know, and just the, the it's like, uh, I, I don't want to, you know, those two guys, the Muppets that sit in the Waldorf and Stadler. Yeah, that's yes, us. Yeah. We're the old guys. We can't do it, but we'll tell you how it should be done. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll tell you, you've inspired my six and a half year old to want to climb rocks and trees and get him. Oh, that's awesome. Outside of his comfort zone. And we do pretend parkour, you know, when we go out by the lake. <laughs> and so I highly encourage it. You know, they have classes here where, it's like inspired. I don't think it's probably sanctioned by your organization, but yeah. you know, Ninja Warrior type classes where they yeah, yeah. do how to like do some of those types of stunts, you know, that aren't, you know, obviously like crawling across a tightrope 80 feet in the air, but just sort of similarity type things to really it's it's been amazing. I think it's been gratifying seeing that, Brett, seeing that kids, you know, not only are ninja junior, but they're ninja gyms all over the country. Um, many of which have been opened by some of our athletes, but seeing that this really is a sport that's existing outside of the TV show and, and to see people getting more active and to see people who otherwise might not pursue a traditional sport, maybe football or basketball isn't their skill set, or they're not their size, or maybe they just don't like that team element, or maybe they don't like that kind of you know, feeling like you're competing against somebody. And Ninja, I think, has been this amazing, amazing uh, sport that is a movement where it's it, there's so much support and there's so much this idea of everybody falls, it's not failing, and the idea of it's okay to not be perfect. And, and to see so many people, I think, who now, because we've been on this show, now we're going into season 13, where we've seen people who came on, couldn't do a pull-up, and maybe fell in the first obstacle. And then year after year, they put in the work. And I think it's such a good lesson for life to say, this isn't the show where necessarily the most talented people are the best. This is a show where really hard work and perseverance and dedication and being able to handle uh, a mistake and to come back a year later, that that's really where the growth happens. And, and to see people being able to succeed without hitting a buzzer, that so many people just getting on the course is a huge victory. And, and I think getting to share those stories and see the inspiration that um, that so many kids and, and other adults derive from it, whether it's, you know, Kevin Bull running, you know, with alopecia and then Molly Steffel, this little girl developing the condition and feeling so self-conscious until someone goes, Hey, you look like the guy from Ninja Warrior and all of a sudden being cool because of it. And, and to see it, the importance of a show sharing stories like that and, and showing people who, who maybe are different than what, what we typically see in sporting events. I think it's really been powerful seeing the impact of the show. Yeah. I mean, the reach that you have had just with the brand overall is just unbelievable. I'm talking video games, you know, yeah. the interactive things that you have and just really like getting people to, I think, think about just what they can be capable of just overall. It's yeah. like super fascinating. And you've, you, 
you and you all of you guys are doing so many things at once it's crazy you have so many projects that you're a part of so clearly <laughs> you guys were affected by the lockdown to a degree but yes. we're back and we're working things out you do other things too other programs that you're part of i, I yeah. guess my question is, is like how do you find time to do it i mean are you taping things at different times or well, yeah what's nice is i i i uh you know, I came from the world of medicine where you're in yes. the hospital sometimes 80 or 100 hours in a week. So the television production schedule is really kind of easy compared to it. Where Ninja's very intense when we're shooting, but we we actually don't have a ton of shoot days because we shoot so much in the time that we're together. So when we're in Tacoma, I think we're going to be there eight days and it's going to be, you know, 14, 15 hour days where you're you're going all day. And, you know, it, it definitely takes its toll, but then then there's time. There's a little break to do some of the other things, whether it's been some of the stuff I'm doing with first responders on a and E have a podcast game show. Um, that's possibly turning into a TV show, trying to do stand-up comedy, which unfortunately is on hiatus is stand-up comedy clubs are kind of the worst place during a COVID pandemic. <laughs> yes. um, but what, one of the things I love is I love having the variety. I think I have someone who, who, um, you know, uh, kind of grow up with routine of school and sports. And now I really love the, the idea of no day is like, uh, like any other. And so it's, it's always kind of, uh, an adventure and you know, that, but the greatest, the greatest thing is I, I love what I do. I love hosting Ninja. I love telling the stories of first responders. I love stand up. I love doing talks about become, be, leaving medicine, becoming a stand-up comedian, and then battling rheumatoid arthritis and cancer. And so I, I, I just think I'm so fortunate to have gone down a very different career path in medicine and then turned to something that I absolutely love and been able to make a living at it for as long as I have and still love what I do and get to do awesome things. And you know, I got to be on Celebrity Apprentice and raise a million dollars for the Arthritis Foundation. And this summer, Arnold Schwarzenegger and I, we're going to travel to Austria to do uh, something for the Schwarzenegger uh, Global Climate Initiative. And I get, to, I get to host it. So I'm going to be working with world leaders here because of Arnold Schwarzenegger. And this is all because of this ridiculous career I've chosen and, and the opportunities that I get to work with charities to spread the good message. While it's not saving lives in the traditional sense, like I thought I was going to as a doctor, I still really feel like the stuff I'm getting to do is having an impact in a different way. And it, it's kind of, it's, it's nice in the end to have chosen something that is as ridiculous and make believe as entertainment is, but to still have a real world impact where you feel like you can put your head on the pillow and feel like you did some good in the end too. I love it. Wow. That is just the best. And you're nominated for a kid's choice award. I mean, I mean it's amazing. Dude, it doesn't get any it, better than that. It's so Forget funny. Honest to God. That. <laughs> look, I'd love to say that awards don't matter. And that being, well, they you do, know, the show point, is your, clearly. well, that's it too. You know, like, listen, my, I, I'm in my office right here. I, I don't can know if, see all your things. Yeah. I mean, there are, I've got, I've got the scepter from doing RuPaul's uh, secret celebrity drag race. I've got my lip sync belt over here. I've got some letters from Schwarzenegger. I've got my medical degree up here. I love, I love having touchstones and tokens. I've got a reality TV award. I've got an Emmy in my bedroom that I keep there. A kid's choice award would certainly be nice. And, you know, maybe someday getting slimed. Who knows? One could dream. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's kind of like false humility when some of these folks you know, say that the awards don't matter. And I'm not here to attack anybody, but really it is a big deal to get an Emmy, you know, or yes. a kid's choice award 
or whatever the case might be. That's like super significant because again, it's a point of reference in your career where it, it is you're being recognized by your peers. And in this case, you know, Nickelodeon, I mean, that's a really big deal. Yeah. And I've heard a lot of celebrities like yourself go, you know, these are all great awards, but to get that blimp is it's a big deal because it just shows that you're reaching past a demographic that's incomparable. I think that yeah. a lot of people don't ever get that experience. You know what I mean? Like it's, it is amazing. Ninja is the most family watch show on television. It is. You know, it is having families where kids to grandparents to, you know, rabid sports fans to people who don't care about sports, who just love the story. They can all find something in the show. And it's been amazing. I think we've been very fortunate in that the, um, you know, our, our Arthur Smith and Ken Weed, who really run the show. And then uh, Brian Richardson and Anthony Storm, who've been the showrunners for the past few seasons. They've worked so hard to continue to keep it fresh and to really. Uh, the, the, the key is the storytelling is so good. And the way these athletes tell their stories in sometimes 90 seconds, but they make you care. Uh, I think they do a great job developing the obstacles. And then, you know, Akbar and I, we just get to have so much fun. And it's been, it's been amazing. Now we started together in season five and for he and I to have been doing this as long as we have to get to build the relationships with the athletes to see, you know, we have multiple marriages. We've got ninja babies. We've got gyms <laughs> yes. opening up and friendships where people travel the globe. And it, it's really been nice to feel like we've, we've played some small part and certainly had incredible tickets to watch this whole phenomenon unfold over such, you know, in, in television, uh, getting to 12 seasons, 13 seasons is, is such rare territory that you're always so you just feel so lucky to be a part of it. And to still feel like the show has, has a lot to give is awesome. Well, if you can outlast friends in the big bang theory, then <laughs> I think you're doing well, my friend, because oh my God. or Seinfeld. I don't even think he went for 13 seasons. Jerry bowed out gracefully. I don't, you know, it, it and is, nobody I, ever got a deal like Jerry got. I mean, when he knew when no. it was time to quit and he did. He's and that's still one of the richest, highest paid people in television from syndication deals. And that's why. Yeah. And that's why you hear. I was hearing an interview with Roseanne some time ago and they asked, I think it was Stern and he was like, you know, he always asked these, you know, intrusive money questions. Yeah. And although he is a great interviewer and he just asked her, he's like, did you get a deal like Seinfeld? And she's like, nobody in the history of television has gotten that kind of deal. And to, yeah. to know that's why he has no interest in coming back to do anything other than what he's done. Because why would you, when you have a show that goes so long and so well, and, you know, all joking aside, you guys have just really stood the test of time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just great. And I love it. So we talked about this. You alluded to it. You know, when you first started, there was comedy and then you were doing the groundlings. But your dad was a doctor. He was a yeah. pulmonologist, if I'm saying that correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you obviously were going down that path. Then where's the misstep when you decided, like, I want to do comedy and entertainment instead of, you yeah, know, being a part of the medical. It, field. it wasn't, it wasn't that I knew I was going to end up doing entertainment. What happened was I, I was in medicine. It's the, it was the perfect career on paper for me. I love science. I love people. Um, I was very good at it. I, I did well in medical school, graduated with honors and was doing well in residency. But what I realized was it's not a job. It is a calling and it is, 
something where it is consuming and that people's lives are in your hands. And it's an unbelievable sacred trust they're giving you. And I just felt as I was going into the hospital that I wasn't living up to my end of that bargain, that I wasn't as present as I should be. I didn't feel like I was as invested. And it was a horrible feeling, Brad. I just felt like I wasn't there. I wasn't giving my patients the care that they deserved. And I wasn't, I didn't feel I was showing up for myself in a way where it, it was really tough. And so I, I, I realized I, I was in the ICU. It was, I remember it, it was January of 99 and we were just getting slammed. And I just realized I was writing orders. And I said, I, I there was someone who was, there was another uh, doctor there who was, you know, checking my orders, making sure, but I thought in, in a matter of months, I'm going to be the one making these life or death decisions. And I just thought I didn't feel like I was in a place where I trusted what I was doing, that I was confident enough in how present I was. And I thought I, I have to reevaluate this. So I thought I'm going to take a year off and clear my head and, and figure out what's going on. I thought I needed to grow up. So I thought, well, I could be a ski bum. I could travel, whatever I could do. So I just knew I needed to get away from medicine. And I thought I did stand up a couple of times. I'm going to move to LA, do stand up for a year. And I thought I'll grow up. I'll appreciate medicine. I'll get whatever this uncertainty is out of my system and come back. Instead, within a matter of weeks, I, I move out to LA. I'm just going to open mics, awful open mics, but something clicked and I just knew I'd found what I was meant to do. Now, mind you, these are terrible shows. There's no crowd. It was just performing. I felt like I, I felt that I found what I was meant to do. And I was very lucky. I got into commercials early on. So, you know, as a resident, you're making, you know, you're making $30,000 while your debt's accruing. And I started getting into commercials and I was making six, seven times that within a matter of months. So financially, I was doing better. I didn't have a beeper going off in the middle of the night telling me to, to come save lives. And ultimately, when I screwed up, nobody, there wasn't the fear of somebody dying. And, and, and really, I just felt like I found, I found something where I felt, I, I just felt it in my bones. This is what I was meant to do. And I, I was like, after that, it was like a fire was under my ass. And I just threw myself into it and, and had some very lucky breaks and lucky opportunities. And the first show I did, the Groundlings, was uh, led to someone seeing me and submitting me for a game show called Screenplay at E. And that show led to the show that led to the show that led to the show that led to Ninja Warrior. So that first hosting gig I got uh, back in 2004 got me the job that I have today and allowed me to do Apprentice and allowed me to do so many other things. So it, it's it's a crazy it's been a crazy, unexpected ride that, you know, I still have no idea where I'm going or what I'm doing. I just keep showing up and it keeps getting better. Yeah. That commercial money, I think, is what attracts a lot of people when they switch from a career like an eight to five and yeah. then decide, well, let me try this. I hear that story so frequently because it's like, you know, wow, I just got paid 10 grand to do a car commercial and it's like money in the bank. Yeah. And then it's like, well, crap, if I can do that just a few more times, why not? You know, yeah. and especially if you're in something that you might be passionate about prospectively, but then it's like, well, this is better. And so then you did that, you did the groundlings and that's where things really broke. And now here we are yeah. in, you know, on a, on a show, American Ninja that's just sweeping the nation. Fantastic. You you've in my opinion, you've built for yourself with hard work clearly. We can't dismiss that. 
just a solid brand, a Matt Eisman brand that people know. Like, what is one thing that just drives you to keep going and feels that has kind of made you successful, you know, and just what well, you're pursuing? That's a good question. I, I think one of the things is I love working. I love feeling productive and I love because I love what I do. Honestly, the, the funny part, too, is I always tell people like when I'm hosting Ninja Warrior, that's not work. When I'm doing stand up or live rescue, that's not work. The work in entertainment is the stuff you don't see. It's when a show gets canceled. It's when you haven't worked in a year and you're going, what am I doing? I left medicine. It's that that's when the work happens. But when we're actually when we actually get to do the job, that's the fun part of 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 what we do. So I I, I think I've been I, I think I I I've always had an appreciation to coming from medicine, coming from something that truly was life and death, coming from something where you felt the pressure and you felt how hard you had to work to become a doctor and how much you had to sacrifice to leave that, to leave where everything was truly life and death and then come to entertainment where it's make-believe, where we get paid ridiculous sums of money and where we have these unbelievable opportunities. I think I've always had a really healthy perspective on this is, this is, this is fun. This is play. This, this is such a ridiculous thing we get to do. And because you do have some heartbreaking moments, you have some things where you think things are going to happen and they don't, or they just, things work out differently. And, and times when, you know, when it's just, it's unexpected. And, and so I think for me, I always, I'm always grateful for any opportunity and, and whether it's, you know, whatever I show up for, I'm always, I always feel like, it's with stand-up. You learn very early on when you're doing a, a stand-up show and seven people show up, you, you appreciate those seven people. It's not their fault that more people aren't there. You give them the show for 200 people. And right. I think it's one of those things where it's, and it's also, you never know who's in the crowd. You never know what's going to happen. You never know what, what you could discover. And I think always having that appreciation for I'm doing something I love. And even when it's not at its best, it still beats the hell out of being in a hospital at five in the morning, you know, with people dying around you and feeling like there's nothing you can do. It's, it's, um, I, I just feel that for me, it's really been, I I've tried to, I've said yes to so many things and it's been amazing how, again, like this very first show I had back in 2004 through a very circuitous route, led to a home makeover show, led to a sports comedy show, led to Ninja, led to so many opportunities that have come from it. And a lot of it was, I think I showed up, I worked hard. I tried to be as pleasant as possible because the reality is whatever show you're on and even Ninja where everything ends, everything ends. So you're also, you want to be someone who people want to work with in the future, because this really is a marathon, this career. And you know, you have an opportunity with someone, you have a meeting and you think, wow, nothing came of it. What a disappointment. You, the crazy thing is I've had meetings where it took five years, sometimes 10 years where they're like, I liked you, but now I finally have something. And I think a lot of it is nurturing those relationships, but also always showing up, giving everything you got, even if it feels like this is something that's never going to go, or this is something that, you know, nobody's watching. You never know who's there, what's the very first, one of the biggest commercials I did were very early when I did a Bank of America commercial and the director was Zack Snyder, who ends up going on to do, wow. all the, you know, the all the DC stuff. Now, he didn't call me for any of it, oh, but it was still cool. That? 
Yeah, it was funny because I actually saw him at a charity event <laughs> where I was, I was, MC, it was for the Arthritis Foundation. I was the keynote speaker and he was in there. And I, I, but I got to say, like, what a great experience it was working with him and then getting to see his career go. But you just never know where the connections are. And then we've stayed, you know, he, he and his, his wife was very involved with the Arthritis Foundation. And you just never know where the relationships are going to come from and uh, where things are, are going to take you. But I think, always being appreciative for the opportunities you have and, and that realization of, Hey, no matter what's going on, give it everything you got because you never know who's watching. And, and even if it's just you getting another rep where, Hey, this is a chance for you to get better at what you do. Um, and that's the other thing too, is, you know, I'm 20 years into this career now. So when I'm hosting, this has been, you know, whether it was school or certainly in medicine, when you're having to learn how to process information or sports, when you're handling pressure or stand-up comedy, when things are going wrong or improv, there are lots of things I've done to build up the skills I have as a host. And I find that, you know, it all comes into play. All your life experience comes into play. Everything you do, you bring with you and it makes you unique. And I think that's one of the things too, is that you're we always are striving for authenticity because the thing I've found is people respond to that. People respond to people who are really being themselves and being genuine. And, and that doesn't mean like being a happy person. Like there's some miserable pricks out there who've, <laughs> yes. who've done a great job. Like Bill Burr, if you listen to Bill Burr's comedy, he's a miserable, misanthropic son of a gun, but he's funny about it. He's really tapped into it. Yes. Yes. And, and I think there is something <laughs> though of that authenticity. And I think stand up really, helps you develop it where, you know, you really are trying to find your voice. And I think that's something in hosting too, is you really want to find like, who are you? And, you know, Ninja, I think one of the reasons Ninja has worked well for me is I am a loud, bombastic, enthusiastic guy who loves to be a cheerleader, who loves people doing amazing things. This is a show that's really in my wheelhouse. I tried doing roasts. I tried doing a roast of Dennis Rodman. Thank God it wasn't televised. I bombed. I love stand <laughs> I suck at roast because I hate being mean. I hate really taking shots and I didn't know Dennis. So I'm having to make fun of this guy who I've never met. And I just, I sucked at it. I'm like, this is not, this is not, I'm not comfortable with this. Um, so it, it's interesting. I think when you, you know, you try to find something that's authentically, you know, that's really in your wheelhouse, that's something you enjoy. And, and I think we see that with podcasts too, where, you know, people could be talking about something that is seemingly so specific, but people will listen to it, even if they don't care about the topic a lot of times, because what they respond to is passion and authenticity. So like, I will listen to some people, some podcasts and uh, on topics that I'm not that interested in, but I'm very interested in how someone talks about it and the passion that they bring. And that's something I will always respond to and that I'm I'm pretty attuned to, probably because of hosting and, and stand-up, but uh, is really finding people where you feel like, hey, I, I, and you know, and maybe it is all bullshit, but you feel like someone is convincingly really revealing a part of themselves. And I think that's, you know, if, if people are looking to do entertainment or looking to do, you know, anything, podcasting, whatever it is, when, when I think when you can bring your authenticity and, and that, that's the challenge, like in stand up, you know, we say it takes 10 years to become the person you were before you started stand up because you're always putting on like, oh, I want to sound like Eddie Murphy or I want to sound like Brian Regan or whoever instead of being you, because we always think initially we're not enough. We always got to be like these people we've seen. Sure. No, I get it. I mean, and I think all the hard work leads to fantastic opportunities and, and us being able to have a conversation 
the three and a half years of work that I've put in just interviewing friends and family. And now I'm with you. It it just, it makes sense. Like, you know, what you feed grows. And if you're not being yourself, then I think that I know when I started, you know, like Adam Carolla, I'm getting ready to talk to him. And it's like, he's the guy that inspired me to start podcasting, but it's like, I go back and listen to earlier episodes and I find myself, you know, trying to sort of emulate him in a way in his style. And it's like, well, you got to find your voice and be you because you're the brand of yes. Ninja Warrior. Yeah. Your your co-host, Akbar, like you guys. I mean, we tune in because we want to see, you know, all the madness and, oh, falling from that wall is not going to pay the bills this month, you know, or <laughs> something like a veiled jab at the right. athlete that's fun. But we tune in because you guys are hilarious and, and it's it's exciting. And obviously, you know, it makes us go, I wish I could do that or I think I could yeah, do that. Me too. But really, there's no chance. I mean, I would be the guy who could, you know, even though I'm a military vet, Still trying to do push-ups, you know, or a chin-up would be virtually impossible. You know what's amazing is every year, though, <laughs> we have a season of somebody who was in a similar situation where they thought, that'll never be me. And we have a guy, Jimmy Choi, who's on here, who's battling, he's been battling Parkinson's for a number of years. And, you know, when he was initially afflicted, he couldn't work out or he thought he couldn't work out. And he ballooned up to like 240 pounds. And then he just got to a point where he thought, this is, I got to change this. And he started working out. And then he found that working out really helped him battle the Parkinson's. And now, like this guy's setting Guinness World Records for most burpees and most push-ups. Like, not for somebody with Parkinson's, for anyone in the history, he's doing more. And, and when you see these stories of people who were in a situation, I think that's one of the things that people respond to in the show is inevitably we see a little bit of ourselves in these athletes. Because you don't see someone like LeBron James, who's 6'8", 270 pounds, who's from, you know, the time he was 13, clearly destined to be one of the greatest athletes on the planet. A lot of the people on Ninja Warrior are the people who were, you know, they they were a parent who was just like, hey, my kids were getting a little older. I was out of shape and I decided to do something about it. And I think it's the, it's, it's the humanity of these stories that these are really everyday people who aren't necessarily blessed with extraordinary athletic ability, but they're really blessed with an, a work ethic and a desire to get better. And I think that's something that we feel we all know, hey, man, it, if I could, you know, that idea of if I worked hard enough, I could do something. And I think with Ninja, you see that and you see people doing it. And I think it's one of those things that you it makes you believe the best of ourselves is still possible. And so it, I, that's why I think the show is much bigger than the obstacles they overcome on the course, because for so many of these athletes, the stuff they've overcome just to get there is so much bigger than any obstacle. Yes. And. That is amazing. American Ninja Warrior season 13, live rescue, Matt Eisman coming to a college or university near you doing stand up. This has been a wild ride and, and an honor to have you, Matt. Thanks for Thank being you. with me today. I appreciate it. Well, I can't wait. I can't wait to hear your talk with Adam Carolla because I know what it's like to meet. Like, I got to meet Brian Regan, the comedian who really inspired me to get into comedy. And when you get to tell someone, hey, man, you made a difference in my life and in what I'm doing. It's really fun to get to say thank you to someone. And so you're going to get to do that with, with the guy who got you in here. So congrats. That brings today's show to a close. Goodly do. Thanks for stopping by. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with a friend and subscribe. It's absolutely free. 
The views and opinions of the guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Autobots, roll out. Go home.